All right, have a seat. Really glad to see you tonight. This is the last of our four-week little mini-series here in the fall, Midweek Fellowships, and we've kind of gotten into a nice little rhythm of doing kind of three or four times a year, these blocks of four to six weeks, and so we'll take a break, and then I'm sure sometime early on in the new year, we will have another uh, short series. In fact, I've already got a few people talking to me about some ideas of things that might be helpful um, for us to do. And just so you know, just kind of, uh, there's no uh, rhyme or reason to this necessarily, but of course we preach through books of the Bible primarily, vast majority of the time on Sundays. And I like these times on Wednesdays, Wednesdays in Midweek Fellowship to kind of handle some topics, uh, things that we want to speak to pastorally that uh, just lend itself to settings like this more than on a Sunday morning. So I think it's helpful for us as a congregation. It's helpful for me, um, and I hope it's been helpful for you. So uh, this final week, biblical counseling and the local church. This is, at least publicly, the kind of the beginning of a conversation that I want us to have as a church, that behind the scenes, the elders have been having for a while, just thinking about uh, this is something that we... Have, have done a lot of informally, and we want to grow in this as a church. So this is, in a sense, you're getting the beginning of a first time really publicly we've talked about this, but behind the scenes, the leadership of the church has been thinking about and talking about these things at various levels for, for some time. And so uh, part of the burden of tonight is to help sort of cast a vision for things that we want to see and grow and improve in um, and cultivate and deepen in the church. So just to give you a kind of definition of what is biblical counseling, uh, I have it, you have it there on your sheets, and this is coming from the ccef.org website. CCEF stands for Christian uh, Counseling and Education Foundation. It's, an, it's a, I think, a very solid, uh, theologically robust ministry in, out of Philadelphia that uh, helps to resource churches and train counselors for uh, biblical counseling. I, I find their website to just be chock full of really, really helpful resources. There are several or other organizations that share a lot of uh, uh, theology and values with CCEF, but CCEF is just one that I've followed for some time. And I don't know who the author is, but this is just on their website, and I found it to be a helpful definition to sort of orient us to what uh, I want us to think about tonight. So they asked the question, what is biblical counseling? You can see it on your sheet. We know that in some ways, and I'm quoting here, even, in some ways even using the word counseling is cumbersome because it suggests something professional and scheduled just for the experts. But we think of, and I, and I, I think I might have highlighted this or underlined this or bold-faced it in your definition, I think it's really helpful. We think biblical counseling as wise conversations in which we join the daily struggles of life with the many words and promises of God that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. For you who work in the church or who are part of the church, it is what you do, if not every day, then uh, certainly in a regular way. And so I want to make this overarching argument. I want to, in a sense, remove the stigma behind the word counseling as if it's something that only people that are particularly uh, you know, troubled need, and I want to broaden it and say that I think actually counseling is something that should be pervasive in the life of the church, ordinary in the life of the church, and is uh, much more organic in the life of the church than just necessarily scheduled, uh, more formal meetings. So 
To sort of begin this discussion, I'm just going to give you eight convictions on counseling in the local church as, um, as I've been thinking about this for quite a number of years now and practicing it on, on some level in pastoral ministry along with the other elders. So I'll just kind of go through each one and make some comments along the way, then we'll stop for questions and comments, and that'll be it. So conviction number one, uh, when we're just thinking about soul care and biblical counseling, is that sin is the root of every problem, and the gospel is the only cure. Now, on the surface, that sentence can sound overly simplistic, and I want to talk about that in a moment, but sin is the root of every spiritual and emotional problem and physical problem that we have. It doesn't mean there's a direct link between our issues and our sin, but it does mean that we live in a fallen world, sin is the root of the problem, and the gospel is the only cure. And part of caring for one another wisely is one another is wisely and compassionately applying the cure. And so I want to also uh, give some caveats and some further explanation to that second sentence. So if, if I could have my screen up there. Um, this is art class with Pastor Brad. You guys love this section uh, this time in class. Um, I'll put, I think it's going up there. Is it going up? Yeah, there it is. Okay. So if we're looking at kind of a spectrum of, of, uh, of views, and this is a, vi- a vast oversimplification if we're kind of looking at, you know, uh, the spectrum of just counseling, just not even Christian, but just broadly speaking, I think, um, you know, on one end, you would have kind of secular or just kind of psychology, worldly wisdom, and I'm not saying worldly wisdom necessarily even in a pejorative sense, but just wisdom, just worldly wisdom and psychology. And over on the far right, you would have, you know, a, a particular philosophy in Christian counseling, sometimes referred to as nuthetic. It's a Greek word. Um, I'm going to have to stretch it out there. Nuthetic, which means admonish. It's a Greek word for admonishment. became kind of a, a, a view, a particular type of biblical counseling uh, championed by a man named Jay Adams decades ago, which was kind of like applying the word of God to every single problem kind of an ultra conservative, and again, I'm not saying this pejoratively, but sin is the problem, the Bible is the answer. And to that, I think every Christian that believes the Bible would say a hearty amen, but what I want to say in a nuanced fashion is that if this is the middle of the spectrum here, where God's truth, the Bible, is all we need, and there's some wisdom out there in the world that God has given uh, that can be applied and learned and help God's people, and if this is the middle... I want to say that I certainly lean towards, and I think in the definition that sin is the problem, and the Bible, and the Word of God, and the gospel is the cure, I want to say that, that, that there are various nuances depending on a person's personality, depending on their life experience, that biblical counseling in its faithful forms exists in a spectrum somewhere in there. And so you can't just say... Like, you know, read these passages and repent. And I think that's, it can be a kind of cumbersome approach to, to soul care. Uh, likewise, to, to, if you're a Christian and to not begin with a, a firm understanding of the doctrine of sin and the fullness of the gospel as really being the only hope for any spiritual, emotional, physical problem that all of us have is a complete uh, fool's errand. 
And so what I'm saying is that somewhere in here is this wise application of the good news of the gospel, bringing it to bear wisely, compassionately, pastorally on a human soul. And then also what I just want to say that by the word gospel, I hope you understand that uh, when I use the word gospel, I'm not merely talking about the, uh, the, just the, the good news that Jesus died for our sins. I think sometimes when we hear the word gospel, we reduce it down to just mere justification, as glorious as justification is. I'm not, I'm not in any way anyone to minimize justification, but justification in the broad biblical sense, is just one aspect of the gospel. And it is what happens in a spiritual sense to a sinner when they are acquitted of their guilt before a holy God in the moment of their regeneration and adoption. They immediately become justified. And so if you're thinking about what happens to a, a person, uh, this, is, this is the beginning, they're, they're beginning of their life. They're dead in their sins. This is their life. And boom, the gospel hits them. Jesus comes into their life. This is their moment of regeneration. And what happens in regeneration? You are immediately forgiven of your sins. Christ's righteousness is imputed to you. You stand right in, in the eyes of a holy God, and you are adopted into the family of God. But you still, even though in a heavenly sense you are seated with Christ, you still have some sanctification to do. And so... The, the Christian life is one of ups and downs and growing. But the good news of the gospel is that the gospel is not just justification, but it's the promise, it's the promise that those whom he has, well, sometimes my thing, those whom he has saved, he will fully bring them all the way home. And this is the process of sanctification. And this, this final state of the Christian is glorification. And so you can't read my writing very well, but I hope you get my, my point, is that when we talk about the gospel, I'm talking about the whole rubric of all that happens, not just our justification, but the growth, the transformation, the fighting sin, the pressing on, the repentance, the faith, the, the, all the things that are happening from a moment of a person's conversion all the way to the moment when they are glorified before the Lord. And so the gospel, the good news of all that God has promised, he who has began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That's the answer for every human soul. And somewhere in here, in every Christian life, is full of counseling words from the scriptures. And so I, I hope to make that point. Okay, number two, the word of God is sufficient for every word, everything we need in life and godliness. Yes and amen, that comes straight from the Bible, Second Peter chapter 1. Um, that his, great, his very great and precious promises are sufficient for life and godliness. But responsible care of souls requires the wise and discerning application of God's word. So I think point number two there, or conviction number two, I'm essentially saying a little bit of what I just got into, is that yes, sin is the problem, and God's truth is the answer, and the word of God contains all that we need for life and godliness, but there is a wise way for us to uh, apply that to a person's soul, depending on their background, their life experience, their family of origin, all sorts of things, things that have happened to them, things that they've given themselves over to. And so uh, I, I want us to have a, a broader category than just you need to repent and read these Bible verses, uh, which I appreciate the faithfulness uh, and I appreciate the commitment that that, that particular uh, 
sliver of philosophy of counseling holds to, but I think it is a little, um, maybe a touch uh, uh, um, myopic. It's a, it's a touch, uh, it's a little out of touch with the way human souls work. Conviction number three is that the Spirit is always at work in every Christian. And we're going to talk a little bit about the role that we play as uh, just every ordinary, everyday ordinary Christians in the life of other believers. And so one of the main points that I want to make tonight is that uh, soul care in the church is not just the job of pastors and elders but, or trained counselors, but in a sense, it's the responsibility of every Christian. And um, one of the things that can happen when you get involved in this type of ministry as a layperson or just as a friend coming along somebody else, coming along somebody, some other Christian, uh, and you get sort of face-to-face. I, 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 I want you to hear me on this. You can get kind of face-to-face. You can get really involved in the life of the church and in discipleship and, and sort of lay counseling and just coming alongside people who are broken, broken. And you can get very quickly overwhelmed at the enormity of the brokenness and the complexity that exists in people's lives. And what can happen is a strange kind of, it, it's almost like a spiritual, uh, it can be sort of spiritual warfare for the person that is doing the care, giving the care, because all of a sudden they get strangely discouraged and think, oh my gosh, th- they feel a kind of futility about their efforts. And and then there can be, th- that then can cause a kind of lack of motivation to sort of continue in the work. And what I want to say is, I know that feeling, believe me, but I also want to press on that a little bit and say that we have to engage in just discipleship and the one anotherness of the call of Scripture with this understanding that, man, people, all of us are broken to varying degrees, and this, but the Spirit is always at work in the people of God. And just part of what I think uh, a church needs when they engage in discipleship counseling type uh, endeavors like this is to, is I just want to say to people that are interested in this, and by f- virtue of the fact that you're here, you're the type of people who think maybe, maybe I can, uh, I need this, or maybe uh, I, I want to be part of helping this. Uh, there can be a kind of pessimism that can grip a person's soul when they really start to think about these things. And I just want to say, like, p- press against that, fight against that. He who began a good work in his people will bring it to completion. And I, I just, I have to remind myself of that all the time. Uh, as, as, as I deal with people, and, and quite frankly, and this isn't, as I deal with my own soul. And so the Spirit is at work in every Christian. And I want to say this, too, that the, 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 uh, the attra- the, the, when a church is full of a bunch of broken people who need a lot of care, that I believe, is a good sign that God is entrusting that particular congregation with souls. And so I think this is like we should rejoice when when God sends people to us or when things happen in our lives, we should rejoice and know that the Lord is at work in people's lives. Okay, I belabored that point. You're like, Brad, we got it. The Lord is at work. But I just, I I need to say that. Number four. Counseling, now we're getting into kind of just, just sort of making it, sort of bringing the cookies down to the bottom shelf, so to speak. Counseling is essentially, and this is where I want to remove the stigma. I just wish I could, 
I wish I, I could just shout this from the highest mountain uh, in, in a healthy church, which I think Crosspoint is one. Counseling is essentially an aspect of discipleship. In fact, this whole sort of counseling cottage industry, which on some level I'm grateful for, I don't think really existed before American uh, Western church culture. It was just an aspect of soul care. Thus, every Christian needs counseling to some degree at various times in their life. So if you're a Christian, you are going to need counseling. So what is counseling? Counseling is not, back to our definition, remember go up there to the top. Counseling is not, don't, don't, let's not, let's not, siphon it off into this little silo of uh, professional scheduled appointments with trained experts. Think of biblical counseling as wise conversations that everyday Christians join in together, and there are varying concentric circles of a kind of culture of discipleship and counseling each other from the scriptures that uh, I think should go on in, the, in any healthy church. So let's remove the stigma, and let's all admit that at varying times in our lives, we will all need different degrees of counseling. And I think of counseling, when I think of, of counseling in the local church, I think in a sense that uh, it, 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 really, it really starts with the, with the preached word. In a sense, we're kind of counseling ourselves from the scripture every, every Sunday, every time we open up the Bible. That's sort of the, 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 sort of the, most, the largest circle. And then there are times when we gather together, you know, in community groups and, you know, Sunday school classes, and we get to know each other a little bit better. And there's, there's smaller environments where we're not just getting together to talk about, uh, you know, the weather and sports and stuff like that or our interests, but we're, we're encouraging one another. And then there are times when we're in smaller discipling relationships where, uh, you know, we, we, we get to know one another and we, we encourage one another and we... we confess sin appropriately to one another. And then I think the church should be full of, of it obviously has pastors and elders, and then a, a trained team uh, or lay people in the church who are either particularly gifted or have wisdom or maybe have gone through some lay training to help counsel souls to be a kind of cadre of lay counselors in the church that can help people that have maybe, that need some more acute encouragement and counseling but what I want to say is that is that I think we tend to think and then there are times when yes there will be maybe we need to maybe we need to engage uh, the help of a, a trained professional outside of the local church and that 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 is absolutely valid and needed but what I want to say is that many Christians in the local church in my experience tend to devalue the gathering of the saints, community on a smaller level, discipling relationships, and the shepherds and lay counselors that God has put around them, and they, they tend to devalue those things, and when they're in a fix, they forsake the ordinary means of grace, which is all part of counseling, and they just kind of, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a half-court shot. Uh, Ed Grant, I love this analogy because he, he is a Golden State Warrior fan and they have uh, the best shooter in the world who can actually make half-court shots, but Steph Curry. But most, most of us can't make, I think what happens is we get in a fix and people just, they just want, they just want a, like a Hail Mary, a half-court shot, and they don't want to give themselves 
to sitting under the word, being in community, n- being known by a smaller group of people in their local church, meeting with pastors, elders, maybe lay counselors in their church. And so they, they kind of isolate themselves. They sort of live out here. And then they, but they find that they need this expertise. And it's just, it's, it's, like, um, it's like trying to throw a, it's like living, it's like living your life as a Christian and it's always fourth and long. And you just got to throw a Hail Mary all the time. And that's just not the way to do it. And I think a lot of Christians live that way. They'll live on the outer edge of the church, and they're never really known. Life gets hard, and then all of a sudden they have to throw a Hail Mary pass because it's fourth and forever. And you just, I, I just want to press against that and say, I want to I I I broaden the counseling culture of the church. I want to say that I, I hope I'm kind of in a sense, and when I and any of the other pastors preach that we're doing a kind of, counseling ministry on a broad level from the scriptures we're speaking truth and then it's happening as it's applied in smaller groups and then we have these other relationships and then there's pastors and elders that want to come alongside but every now and again i'll hear about somebody that's a member of cross point and um man i'll come to find out that they have some very difficult situation that they're facing and 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 nobody in the church knows it and they're kind of out here you know maybe going to a good biblical counselor but i just think that's not that's not that's like that, it needs to be, and again, there, there's place for that, but it needs to be connected to the life of the church because that's where Christians live their spiritual lives. I hope that comes across um, uh, pastorally. That's number four. Number five, uh, every member, then, if we think about counseling, is essentially an act of discipleship, and every Christian needs it at some point in their lives to varying levels. Uh, I, I think then, number five, that every member has a part to play in the discipleship counseling ministry of the church. So this includes, obviously, elders, small group leaders, meeting settings, people in the small group, informal relationships, and some members of the local church who are trained and equipped in counseling to varying degrees. So I haven't read any scriptures yet, so where do you get this from the Bible? Um, I think this is an application of what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 4. This is a really important verse for the church, Ephesians 4 verse 11. He says, and he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. That's we're growing. So the point I'm making is that discipleship is helping people in their sanctification journey, and counseling is an aspect of discipleship. And that's what the mission of the member of the church is, is to build one another up, the leadership building us all up, till we can help one another attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love. And that's, that's, another, that's a biblical way of saying counseling one another. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. That's Colossians. And then go, uh, uh, Colossians, that's Ephesians. Colossians chapter 3. I think Paul uh, says it a little bit more concisely. He says, I love this verse, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is written to every Christian. 
teaching and admonishing one another. I think that word admonishing is a synonym for, on some level, counseling one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then Romans chapter uh, 15, verse 14, Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you. And again, he's writing to the whole church, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. And I think the NIV might say counsel, or at least some, some faithful versions of it interpret that, that we're able to instruct or counsel one another. And so I want to say that, um, you know, don't think, oh, well, this is something that just the leadership of the church does, or maybe somebody in the church that seeks some sort of lay certification and counseling. Praise God for all of those things. But I want to say that part of the responsibility of every Christian in the local church is to at least strive to be, you know, part of part of this this circle right here and to just be a kind of echo chamber that your life would be an echo chamber of encouragement and admonishment as the word of God is preached and, and as, as, as it's taught in our classes, in our, our community groups, in, in Bible studies, that, that, that my life, our life as just regular, ordinary lay people in the church becomes a kind of echo chamber for counseling, encouraging one another, and this requires a certain level of intentionality. But imagine the fruit that could be born if, if every member of Crosspoint actually kind of said, hey, to, to one degree or another, I'm going to try and move a little bit more on the spectrum of being fruitful in this area. Just think about that. I think sometimes when we think about, oh, this is what we should do as a church when we're casting vision, we think, oh, well, I see myself as a two, and I'll never be a ten, so... I'll just, you know, gosh, I'll just, I'll just sort of feel bad about it and maybe I'll forget about it and next week I'll start thinking about something else. But is it, the, the life in the local church is not making everybody that's an area of two fruitfulness all the way to an eight or nine, but it's saying, okay, this particular area of my, of my life, I see myself as being only like a one or two in fruitfulness or usefulness, but the Bible sort of commands all of us to do this. Hey, maybe I'm not going to be great at it, and so I'm just going to I'm going to try and do a little bit better, which, okay, you say, Brad, that sounds good. What does that mean? Well, maybe it just means that I sort of take responsibility for people that I sit around, and if I notice that they're gone, or if I'm a member, I have a member directory, and I just have a group of people that I pray for, and I check on them, and if I don't see them, I call them and say, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you. What's going on? That is a kind of, a kind of counseling. I haven't seen you. I'm missing you. Is everything okay? And the Holy Spirit uses that to spur our fellow members on to love and good works. And don't, don't uh, undervalue the fruitfulness of that in the local church. And so in some sense, every member has a kind of role to play. And then I think the vast majority of us can go beyond just those sort of uh, pre- and post-service conversations, but it can be part just the informal relationships that happen in a community group. Hey, man, I'm, I've seen, I, what's going on? How are you? I've seen you've been down. What's going on? You're having a struggle with your teenager. Just let me, let me take you to a coffee, and let me just listen to you and pray for you. And that is a kind of lay counseling that can really serve the, uh, the, the, the souls of a local church. Okay, I've belabored that. Number six. Uh, I'm convinced of this. The vast majority of the counseling most people need 
And remember, I think all of us need counseling on one level or another at various times in our life. In other words, all of us need discipleship. All of us need exhortation. All of us need admonishment. Those are all synonyms for, for counseling. The vast majority of the counseling most people need does not require trained experts outside the church, but rather time spent with mature fellow believers in the church. And again, I think that's getting back to my analogy. Every now and again, I'll hear about somebody that has an issue. And I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe, uh, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's just, just they haven't been instructed well. Maybe we haven't done a good job of sort of making them feel comfortable. They'll kind of try and get their problem solved sort of, you know, in a clandestine way or whatever. And it, I just, it's, I think that we need to, I think most people, before they have to, you know, throw a Hail Mary pass on fourth down or take a half-court shot, most people, there was a progression how they got there. And if at some point we would have just been better or they would have been better or collectively we all would have been a little bit better at the ordinary means of grace in the church and just, just regular conversations and a culture of discipleship and counseling in the local church could have headed a lot of those problems off at the pass. And I think a vast majority of the problems that we face can just be handled with mature believers in the local church. Number seven, however, however, there are times when more intensive soul care is needed that involves trained biblical counselors outside the local church. And so for that reason, I am very thankful for the discipline of, uh, and for, in a sense, the, the industry or the, the, the sliver of the parachurch world that has grown up in the last 40 or 50 years, which is a more intentional training of biblical counselors. I am very thankful for that, and I want to say that is absolutely needed, but I think it's kind of like the intensive care of the church. Uh, most of us need uh, the, you know, the, the just general care, the general practitioner. We don't need the, the, the neurosurgeon, but thank God for the time that we do need those more trained professionals. Uh, the challenge of that, if I can be sort of speak honestly and um, uh, respectfully, but pastorally, the challenge of that is in our area, we're the second largest city in Georgia, uh, and I think for a population area, for a demographic of our population, we're, we're, we're quite underserved, I think, in solid, faithful biblical counselors. There are not that many in our city. And that's a challenge. And so sometimes when we've had to refer people out, we'll have, they maybe they will go out of the town it's somewhere kind of far to travel, or there's just a few that we kind of trust here. And that's a challenge. Another challenge is even if there is a good biblical counselor in the area that we can send them to, um, you know, the challenge of maintaining communication with the pastoral team. I, I think that, you know, there are a few counselors locally that I have a good relationship with that uh, when they meet with somebody from Crosspoint, they will ask that person if they can share with the elders of Crosspoint kind of what's going on in their life. And that's been a wonderful sort of, uh, um, uh, you know, team effort in caring for that person. Uh, but, you know, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, it's the elders of your church that have to give an account for your soul, not the licensed counselor as, as uh, helpful as they may be. And so um, if, if there is a situation where we have to refer people out, we want to maintain contact, contact with that person and care for them because we are responsible for one another's souls. 
And then eighth, and then a couple comments on some uh, issues, and then I'll be done. Counseling is an important part of soul care, and it should be normative and mainstream in the local church. I hope you hear my heart on this, that counseling is not, in a sense, church, some churches will start a counseling ministry, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Maybe we should work towards that someday here. That's fine. But I want to I wanna make it more mainstream. I want to say that counseling isn't merely just a particular department of the church or a particular department of parachurch ministry, but it should be part of an aspect, a spoke of discipleship in the life of every Christian and sort of pervasive in the culture of every church. It won't be done perfectly, but we should remember that the Lord is at work in his people and promises to complete his work in us. So I'm kind of getting back to that idea that the Spirit's at work in, uh, in his people and uh, that God uses imperfect believers to help other imperfect believers. And so uh, we, should, we should strive, and we are striving to do better in this area. Okay, a word about a couple issues, and then I'll open it up for questions if you have any. A word about trauma. Um, uh, I, 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 I say this with every bit of tenderness pastorally that I, that I, I, I have sincerely in my heart. I recognize that there are people uh, that have been severely traumatized and sinned against in grievous ways by other people. But I do think there has been a shift in our culture, and I have noticed it pastorally, that um, the, uh, it's, it's a culture of, of, of victimization where um, it has become very uh, just very easy and very normative for people to throw around the word trauma and abuse um, almost too flippantly. And if everything is abuse, it, it can kind of blur the waters and it sort of makes nothing abuse. And so, and this is coming from the, the, the trained psychologist, Dr. Derringer. Um, so I, 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 I want to say that clearly there's true trauma and clearly some people have been sinned against grievously. Uh, but a challenge that we've had pastorally the last couple of years is we've had some people kind of claiming trauma, claiming abuse. And at times I've thought, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you've been treated poorly, but I don't know if I'd call that trauma. And that becomes very difficult waters to wade through pastorally. And so um, I, I don't want any talk about counseling. I don't want you to think that this is kind of a, a sort of, it's, we w it's a mediating position. We want to be very tender towards people who have truly been hurt. But we also want to guard against falling over into the, you know, everybody's a victim because, you know, they, they, they just had a bad relationship or something. Secondly, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which obviously is connected to trauma. I mean, uh, the, obviously the word trauma is in that acronym. Um, being so close to Fort Moore, We've had many, many, many men and women in this church who have experienced the horrors of war. And obviously PTSD is not just, not just isolated to people that have been in combat and seen horrible things in combat, but also on other levels. Um, and again, I just want to say that's a, that's a complicated um, aspect of soul care. And again, I say this, gosh, you know me, I love the military. I love, uh, 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 and I'm so, my heart just bleeds for the, the people in this church that have been to war and that have seen things. But I will say 
that that's another area, I think broadly, that sort of that acronym is sometimes overused and used as a kind of excuse sometimes for sin and destructive behavior. And that's a, that's a, that's a complicated field, and it depends a lot on a person's disposition and their comportment and their personality. One person can see and be exposed to one thing, and it can be on a relatively mild scale compared to what something else sees, and it can really affect this one person, and the other person um, can just not be affected by that. And so PTSD is real, but it isn't an excuse for us to sin or wreck our lives with destructive behaviors. Um, so I just want to kind of, I want to say that. And then medication. Uh, medication. Again, I, I, I think I take a sort of middle position here. I think on one end of the spectrum, it's like g give medication for everything. And on the other end of the spectrum, medication is, you know, from the devil and has no place in counseling. And I just, I say, I just don't, I think both of those, uh, obviously polar opposites and a little bit of caricatures are wrong. Uh, I, I would have a cautious approach towards the use of things like antidepressants and other uh, uh, mood-altering medications. But I do think under the care of a wise, um, discerning health professional with a consultation, I think of a Christian worldview, uh, they have their place in, in the care of, of souls. And I do think the brain is an organ. I think, I think medications are vastly overused. Um, and I am not advocating that everybody, because they're having a bad day, go and get on Prozac. That's not, you hear my heart on this. I'm just saying that uh, Christian psychiatrists and Christian psychologists and even many Christian counselors that I respect greatly from CCF uh, and other organizations do, uh, I think I would be in line with what they're saying and say that uh, there is a place with great wisdom and discernment for that in uh, the care of souls. But that's just not something that you run off to your local uh, family practice doctor and just get a bottle of this because, you know, you're having some issues that can, without connecting it to all these other, uh, uh, you know, means of grace that the Lord has had under wise care. Okay, that's it. Any questions, comments? Yes, <laughs> the Ph.D. The first guy that asked the question is the guy with the Ph.D. Thanks, Danny. Go easy on me, please. Actually, no questions. Okay. Great job. Everything he said, spot on. Whew, okay. Uh, so I, I actually have some encouragement, some cautions, and just some personal reflection. Yeah. Um, my encouragement is if you or someone that you know goes to see a professional for some reason, many professionals, you know, all of the LGBT things that have happened in our society uh. started from psychiatry. The, you mm -hmm. know, homosexuality used to be considered a mental illness. Psychiatry is the one that did away with that and has been pushing that needle huh. further and further. Yeah. Psychology is the number one most liberal department in yep. every university, period. Yeah, that's a good word. Christian, yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Thank so yeah. you have to keep in mind that secular professionals are going to have a secular worldview, secular yes. presuppositions about the world. That's helpful. A lot of people that have degrees from Christian schools have been challenged to be aware of their own Christian biases and to not force their values onto someone who's like, say, a, you know, a non-believing client or whatnot. Uh -huh. And so you find that a lot of Christian professionals are a lot more ethical, but a lot of the non-Christian professionals or the nominally Christian have this more, you know, 
um, postmodern mm -hmm. political correct worldview, and they're far more likely to push that. You know, mm -hmm. well, you're in a bad relationship. You need to get a divorce. You need to get out of there. Right. So they're going to push a value that they think is right. And if you are somebody that you are know is in therapy and you start hearing these things, run. Yeah. Don't look back. Yeah. Run. Yeah. Because they are unaware of how they're actually, from their own standards, behaving unethically mm -hmm. because it is the, mm -hmm. the kind of the current zeitgeist of, mm -hmm. of yeah. the world. Which underscores, Danny, I would say, like, man, don't do – don't do counseling. So, so don't ever get to that person. Run it through the mill of the of the life of the local church before you get to that place, and you'll be protected from that worldly ideology. Yeah. yeah. So one of the other things that I, I thought of as you were talking is that, um, you know, with us all, every one of us should be a lay counselor. You know, counseling, discipleship, these are terms. We're all in the process of helping of being sanctified and yes. helping one another being sanctified. Yes. And yeah. if you look at it from that perspective, yeah. you know, we are investing in the souls of the people around us. Yes. I'm investing in the souls of my children. The people that are back there with my kids are investing in their souls, just like yes. we're investing in the souls of the people in our yes. community groups, the people yeah. that we sit around. Yeah. And this is an advice that I give to supervisees all the time. And this is from a secular perspective, but I think it's in a lot of ways true in a Christian perspective. Don't be afraid that you're going to make it worse. Just like if, you, if you're not the perfect apologist, yeah. don't be afraid to witness to somebody. You know, if you don't have every answer that somebody's going to ask about why they should believe in Jesus, mm. that doesn't mean that you shouldn't tell, share Jesus with people. Well, the same mm. thing with mm. kind mm -hmm. of caring for people's souls. You almost have to be trying to make their stuff worse to make them worse. Mm. You really do. And if mm -hmm. you and this is where the Christian perspective is, if you are filtering things through the gospel and the knowledge mm -hmm. of God and what is sin and God's will, mm -hmm. you are not going to make that person worse. You mm -hmm. might not give them the best advice. They mm -hmm. might be stagnant, but you're not going to make them worse. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to, to listen to somebody and try to help somebody That's helpful. Yeah. as long as you are yeah. following the scripture. Amen. Um, and for me, um, one thing that I would add as a caveat is be extremely careful about cross-gender counseling. Mm -hmm. As a man, mm -hmm. yeah. don't, you know, don't go in that room with that mm -hmm. female or those deep mm -hmm. relationship mm -hmm. issues that your friend is having with their husband. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that there's never a place for a, you know, a discerning wise mm -hmm. male to offer advice to a female, mm -hmm. but be extremely cautious because within you know, professional environments, within church environments, there does develop a power differential. There does develop a kind of a, a savior or hero complex mm -hmm. where you see this person, they're helping me, they care, they listen, mm -hmm. and that makes the person very attractive. And it, it makes yes. lines very blurry. So, yeah. you know, women that are discipling younger women or other women, men, disciple other men, work with other men, talk with other men. If you have friends that, you know, couples, as a couple, meet with a couple. Yeah. Or if there's a woman that you know, you and your wife, yeah. you know, talk with that person together. It's going to be sanctifying for you. It's going to be sanctifying for them. Yeah. And just it's just a slippery slope yeah. that we don't want to go down. I strongly feel yeah. that we've got to be cautious about that. Yeah. And then the last point that I wanted to make was kind of the encouragement for me. I haven't had any therapy clients in a decade. Part of it is not... I don't really have a lot of time for that. Mm -hmm. 
and my interest was mostly with like really serious mentally ill people and it's mm-hmm. therapy counseling with them is it's a whole different mm-hmm. thing you're just talking to them about the demons that are attacking mm-hmm. them and stuff mm-hmm. but one of the things that i found towards the end as i was becoming i think more spiritually mature was how frustrating it was because i was doing therapy in a secular context and that very first point sin is the root of the problem sin is the root of the problem even if your problem isn't the direct result of your sin Mm -hmm. there's you know if you would turn to jesus yeah you know that that became such a burden that i just kind of wanted to shake people and be like look well you're you're unhappy because you're you're trying to find your truth you're trying to find you know you know this false sense of happiness and having and jay could probably speak to this better than me because he does actual still does therapy but you know when you if you work in a secular setting or you you know you you see that sin really is the problem you know without sin in the world we wouldn't have any emotional issues we wouldn't have chemical imbalances or whatever you know brain abnormalities or traumatic brain injuries or intellectual disabilities or autism that's all a result of sin and so while every single issue isn't okay well here's a bible verse and you need to repent of this you know some people just have anxious or depressed predispositions some people you know can go to battle and see death all the time and not get ptsd and some people can hear you know a cannon going off a few times and they're you know you know unable to function but you know if you don't have that mindset and you're not filtering everything yes. through um, that that presupposition yeah, about the world yeah, that yeah. God is the center of it and yeah. we are sinners, yeah. it's going to be difficult. I frequently will have people here and at Midtree and other Christians that I know that have real trauma, that have real mm-hmm. issues, and they'll come to me and talk. And it's so much more freeing to be able to discuss those issues with the psychological knowledge that I have, mm-hmm. but then to filter it through mm-hmm. the gospel and mm-hmm. the sin and give what I think is better advice. Yeah. That's so much more freeing and feels just more right mm-hmm. than anything that I did when I was functioning as a therapist in a secular environment. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. that's, that's great. my yeah. Yeah, Thoughts. thank you, Dan. That's really helpful. Really, really helpful. And I just want to underscore that point you made about, man, um, you, you're you're not going to hurt people with with just giving them a, a sliver of encouragement of your perspective. Like if we could all do that, just to our little bit, God's going to bring a lot to bear. So yeah, really, really helpful thoughts, Danny. Anybody else have anything? Samantha, I saw you moving. Geez, Samantha, it looks like you're dressed for uh, Alaska. Cold. Is it that cold? So put on your I mean, the first cold for us, and Samantha oh, goes in Eskimo mode. Thank you. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm warm now. <laughs> Jeremy's I'm quite toasty now. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to encourage people that yeah. if you feel a little overwhelmed by the ideas that were presented tonight, the first place I think to go for your own heart and your own soul is that we're called to love one another. Yeah. And, like, out of that love is yeah. going to flow, like, wanting to listen to one another. Yeah. And I think everybody can be on common mm. ground mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. The people we're engaging with want mm-hmm. to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to hear their stories. Yeah. You want to share yeah. your stories. You want Amen. to, you that's know, do real life. Be transparent mm-hmm. with one another because that's where that discipleship takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The other thing that I was. Uh, let me just stop there oh, before yeah, you. Um, I can't tell you how many, when you're saying that, Samantha, I can't tell you how many times I've been in my office with people 
and they've just sort of unburdened their soul to me. All I've really done is listen, just kind of, uh-huh. I mean, and then at the end, like, oh, thank you, for, thank you for that advice. I'm like, I didn't. All I did was open the door and ask if you wanted a bottle of water and told you that Jesus loves you and I do too, and let's pray. And I would say, you're absolutely right. Listening really helps a person unburden their soul, and that is therapeutic. Yeah, amen. Next point, yeah. The, the other thing that was on my heart as you were speaking was that we remember that we have members of Crosspoint that we've sent to other places, other places where they do not have communities that can get together and counsel one another. Mm-hmm. And so if you're connected to any of our missionaries, like you are mm-hmm. those counselors for them. Mm-hmm. You're the people who are meant to do that sort of long-distance mm-hmm. relationship in such a way that you can bear their burdens too. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind yeah. that we send them out, yeah. but we're still responsible for their souls. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and you, you and Jeremy know that as well as anybody. Yeah. yeah. Stephanie. Are you? Yeah, there's a. Yes, Three things that yeah. came to mind for me uh, were first of all, as we're doing this, to remember that uh, there's a responsibility that comes in that, too, that mm-hmm. we stay connected in those circles yeah, so that we are yeah. sitting under uh-huh. the word, yeah. that we Amen. are in the word, and that we are applying the Amen. word to ourselves first Amen. and also to them. Um, another word that came to my mind was limit, knowing our when we are mm-hmm. facing our limitations of mm-hmm. our ability to help, yes. uh, especially recognizing thoughts yeah. of... Um, comments made of thought, you know, thoughts to harm self or others, yes. how we, when we do need to Great go point. to others and, yeah. and find the professional help yes. that may be needed. And then lastly, as encouragers, as biblical encouragers, it's a calling up alongside. We're encouraging yeah. others to come and walk with us and walk the walk. And it's not just yeah. patting yeah. someone on the head yeah. and, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and letting yeah. them stay in their sin yeah. without honestly addressing it so amen those are absolutely great points you guys are filling in all my 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 limitations you're filling in the gaps (laughs) so thank you one thing this is kind of an encouragement for community group leaders um uh we're not leaders really we're just people that facilitate Mm -hmm. friendship in god's church in a smaller scale but the thing this i think is the second point this can't be said enough that scripture is sufficient yeah. for everything yes. for life and godliness yes. and what you yes. said about limitations is absolutely yeah, true absolutely, yeah. but it's just so important for us as as the church you know that outer circle to yeah. sit under good preaching to yeah. to immerse ourselves in god's word every day and soak in it and then to cling to jesus you know, because um, as we cling to him individually and together, you know, I think that's how people feel like that yep. they're not alone in the yep. world carrying their problems. And the verse that came to my mind, you know, in Galatians, it says that we each is to carry his own load, but we're to bear one another's burdens. And as community group leaders, I think that's, that's yep. what the community groups are supposed to do. You know, we each have a, a normal amount of, it's just life. I mean, yeah. life is hard, yep. but we all come on circumstances, you know, illness, yep. death, yep. Um, yep. that yep. is just more than you can bear. And yep. people need somebody yes. that they can put yes. their arms around them and, and, yes. and love them and just 
carry them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That reminds me of that verse in Second Corinthians where it says the affliction that you're experiencing is going to produce in you an ability to comfort other people, essentially is what Paul is saying. Absolutely. And you guys are feeling it. That's just wonderful. Yes. And so do you see how this is a communal project? You guys are all making these points that together. The Lord, so isn't this just all this? All this is just like, man, life in the local church. We, we, we're never going to be perfect, but the Lord, we help each other follow Jesus. So great, great points. Any other final questions before we wrap it up and I pray? Uh-oh. <laughs> what do you do if your dad is a mess? I actually do have a question. Um, and it kind of, sorry, it kind of feels like off topic of what we had just been going on about for the last few minutes. But um, so this is kind of in the stream of uh, like the idea of medication and mm -hmm. the grace of God that is modern mm -hmm. medicine. Mm -hmm. um, like what is the place uh, for people that... Um, really need like specialized care mm -hmm. that maybe it's not provided by a Christian counselor in yeah. your area or even like yeah. a Christian who works in a secular yeah. theory. Like if that's not available mm. um, to you, but you really mm -hmm. need that specialized care, mm -hmm. like what is the place, where's the place yeah, for that? That's a great question, Bells. I, I would just say that I think, you know, we live in a fallen world and nothing is perfect. And so let me use another analogy. If I was, um, you know, if I was in... Uh, I know this isn't apples to apples, but if I was, uh, if I needed a heart transplant or if I was in a car wreck and my surgeon was Muslim, I would praise God for the common grace of the Lord using that particular person to administer care to me. And that's a really good question. And I just think that the Lord is not bound by anything. And yes, there are times when the Lord will use secular wisdom that or, or, or knowledge that if there's anything true and good out of that, the Lord will use it to apply to for the health of a person's soul. And there may be things that we have to sort through and sort of, you know, shake off later on. Um, but the Lord can use those type of things. And sometimes, for example, if there's like a psychotic situation and maybe the only the only uh, the last resort we have is for that person to go to a place like the Bradley Center, which may not have Christians there working. The common grace of those people, even if they're not Christians, to just keep that person safe and stabilize them, I believe is used by the Lord for the good of souls. And so, yes, there's a place for that, and we shouldn't diminish that. Um, but maybe that is a kind of... Um, you know, a call to maybe some Christian that might say, I, I want to be a Christian in that space, you know, so maybe you can do that and make lots of money and support your parents in their retirement. <laughs> so I don't, so uh, but no, that's a great question, Arabella. That's a great question. I just like, let's have, like, have confidence. We haven't sung this in a while. Have confidence in this. This old hymn, this is my father's world. This is my father's world. And he will use whatever he is on some level. Nothing's ideal, even the best of churches. And so all, we all got to sort through it. So, OK, great questions. Um, let me pray. Um, we've got I've got a, a, an elders meeting right after this. And so it might be a long one. So we're going to I'll stick around just one or two. But I don't want to leave the guys hanging because I need to be part of that. But let me pray. And I really pray, I hope these past four weeks have been beneficial. I know it's been kind of a hodgepodge. Hell, counseling, forgiveness. What was the other one we did? Israel. Um, yeah, so, yeah, thanks for the cookies too, Mark, that you gave me. Uh, Mark, every time Mark burns a batch of, oh, is it Maryland? Okay. I, 
I love, I love burned cookies. I, I, I like burned cookies. Yeah. Do you need counseling now? Uh, I love burned cookies, and they burn cookies, and they give me their burned cookies. So that's what they're doing tonight. Lord, thank you for your grace to us. I pray this has been helpful. Lord, may we grow as a church in this area. May we cultivate uh, uh, just uh, more love for one another. Samantha's word uh, was so helpful, just the love for one another. May we be a church that helps each other follow Jesus on many different levels. For the glory of your name and for the glory of Christ in our area and for the good of your people, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.